Hi there, my name is Mireya Perez, and I aspire to create a platform where language service providers can tell their story, and where listeners of this podcast can find inspiration and creativity. This podcast is dedicated to you, the language professional that desires to listen to the journeys of others in order to create their own path and personal branding. This is the Brand the Interpreter podcast. You are tuning in to the Brand the Interpreter podcast. I will be your host, Mireya Perez. And if all went well, today is February 20th, 2020, circled in my calendar as launch date. Words cannot express my excitement. Perhaps a yell might, but I don't want to blow out your eardrums on the first episode. I want to welcome you and thank you wholeheartedly for not only joining me, but in doing so, also supporting me. My ultimate goal is that through this platform, you are able to connect, tell, and listen to stories, to find inspiration and motivation to continue expanding both professionally and personally. Our first episode begins with Leslie Padilla-Williams. Leslie is the executive director of Ola Language Services, a language company that strives for empowerment through education. She is the creator of the English-Spanish Glossary for Special Education Terms utilized across many school districts, the English-Spanish Glossary for Common Core Math Terms, and the highly sought-out Interpreting IEP Meetings, a 12-hour course presented in a two-day format. She holds a professional translation certificate from UCSD's Extension Program. She is an award recipient of the Outstanding Latina Entrepreneur from the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. She's been named the 2007-2008 Who's Who Among United States Teachers and Educators, an educational translator for over 15 years, a California credential teacher in adult education, and a language consultant for the California Department of Education and San Diego County of Education, just to name a few. In this episode's conversation, you'll hear how Leslie begins her journey in the interpreting field. We dive into her experiences with career challenges, how she overcame them, her love for teaching, and, well, how about I let her tell you herself? Without further ado, here's Leslie's story. Who is Leslie Padilla-Williams? It sounds uh, official, right? Leslie Padilla-Williams? Uh, Leslie Padilla Williams is a translator, a businesswoman, um, born in Guatemala, married to a Guatemalan. I know everybody thinks Williams comes from, you know, this gringo or gabacho, but no. Um, and uh, that's pretty much who I am. I, I, It's such a long story. I don't even know where to start to tell you the truth. Tell us a little bit about what inspired Ola Language Services. So I think that Ola Language Services was born out of um, my insecurity as an interpreter and translator in the school environment because I was one of the first uh, in- translators of a North County school district. And I really thought that I had um, the language skills necessary to to do that job. You know, I, I had a law degree in Guatemala. I uh, had a, 
big, an academic preparation in English because I lived half my life here, half my life in Guatemala. And I thought it was going to be easy. And then, bam, you know, I went into my first IB and I didn't even know what to do. So it was a humbling a humbling experience. And that's when I thought to myself, well, I better get prepared. And all the programs out there were medical. They were legal. Uh, but I took them anyway. And then I got my teaching credential for adults. And I said to myself, Leslie, I need to go out there and help my colleagues. Because they get thrown into these situations like I was. And I thought I had the skills. Some of my colleagues just learned their skills on the job. And, um, and so that's why I started Ola Language Services. I combined the, my experience with translating and my preparation with uh, translating, interpreting, and my teaching. And went out there, and now I do workshops to train interpreters and translators. And for the listeners out there that uh, don't know what an IEP is, could you explain what that is? What was so complicated about this type of meeting that you quickly figured out? Holy crap, I need, well, I some need training. to do something. So, an IEP is an um, individualized education plan, and it's a special education plan for uh, a special needs child. And it doesn't have to be. Um, a severe handicap or disability. It could be speech. Um, it could be just processing delays and so forth. So it has very technical vocabulary and the interpreter actually has to sign the IEP plan after uh, the interpretation. And so it's a contract it's a legal document where the district is offering FAPE, which is free and appropriate public education, their offer, and the parents have to accept it. And so it's a legal contract. And the vocabulary, you can imagine, it's all these clinicians. There are you know, speech paths and um, OTs, occupational therapists and physical therapists and so it's very technical. It includes medical and legal, so and education. So it's a it's a challenging thing to interpret. Wow! And when you finally embarked on this journey of creating your own company uh, that would go out there and assist, how did you begin? Well, you know what, business is hard, and getting known is very difficult. And so there was a series of events, not unfortunate events, but good events. Since I was teaching at adult ed at that time, when I started thinking about Ola Language Services as a professional learning academy, so to speak, before then I was translating. So I had already a cadre of school districts that were hiring me to translate and, and interpret. But then I enjoyed teaching so much that, um, you know, I had to transition. I wanted to transition to that. And one of the things that really helped was teaching in my district. So I felt comfortable and I, I felt empowered. And, and I also felt as if my part, the participants were just eating it up mm. Because nobody has given them uh, professional learning opportunities in its school district. So anyway, um, you know, I got a hold or I don't know how I got an email from the California Department of Ed 
saying if I wanted to be part of a task force in um, quality indicators of translating and interpreting K-12 settings, a long title, but a really good document for districts to understand um, the how they should choose translators and interpreters and how they need training. Anyway, to make a long story short, I drove to, to Sacramento with my husband, 10 hours, met with the CDE, contributed my part, and drove down the same day because oh I had I have four children. And that really did help once it got published. And then um, I did some marketing, you know, through emails. I'm not a marketing expert, but I still had my full-time job. So that was important. Because you need money for business. So just little by little, I started, um, you know, growing my company into more of, instead of just translating, more of an educational platform. Let's uh, go back a little bit into, you mentioned that you, when you initially started your career as a translator, uh, you went straight to education. What, what led you to want to follow that path? You know, I was thinking about that the other day, why I ended up being a translator first and then a teacher. And and I think that the career chose me. It really did. It was, um, I wanted to study literature. You know, I wanted to get my bachelor's in literature. I've always loved the written word. And of course, my father said, you're going to starve because I was in Guatemala. You're going to starve. What are you going to do with literature? And I said, okay, Papa, you know, I'll study law. But in Guatemala, law was all written. There's no, there wasn't a jury. You don't have to learn how to present. It was, it's all written. And so that is attra was attractive to me. I love reading. And so I think that um, once I, so uh, translating was a natural transition for me because I love the written word and I had those two languages and then when I started teaching at adult ed, um, I just I just love the feeling of going to bed and saying, wow, I think I contributed something to somebody today. Mm. So then that's how I think uh, this career chose me. That's amazing. I yeah. think that um, even just that thought of contribution itself, you know, the, the fact that we're giving back is um Perhaps a lot of times the main reason why a lot of interpreters or translators or those in lang mm -hmm. the language access field get involved with doing this, right? With becoming interpreters, mm -hmm. with uh, becoming translators that need to help others. And so um, I want to go into then now your transition from being a uh, language access provider to, to teaching. So what was that moment that you said... I want to do this. I want to make this transition. That specific moment where you overcame the fear and that you said, I, no matter what, I'm doing this. Was it because of the experience you had within your own district? Or did you just know, like the moment that you said, you know, I'm contributing, is, was it the same type of experience? Wow, that's a, that's a charged question. I, um, I think it all has to do it has, it's, it's all um, interconnected because at one point in my life, I was offered to be a salesperson because I'm kind of uh, not, um, I'm very, 
I don't know, passionate about things and, and I can talk to anybody. And so they recruited me for sales and I could have made a lot of money because I think I can sell. <laughs> if I believe in the product, I think I can sell it. But, um, but you know what? Yeah. When I started teaching and I got my adult teaching credential, I taught at this adult school for six years. Um, I just love the feeling. I love the feeling of this person that is coming to me to get knowledge and, and actually using that knowledge. And I have a lot of students that have been very successful, even starting their own businesses in, um, for some reason, I've been really popular in the in Northern California, San Jose and Monterey. And um, so I have a lot of friends that were district translators that made the switch because um, they, now they felt empowered. And I, I just think that feeling is amazing just to be able to change somebody's um, opportunities, open doors. And you know, it's funny that in Guatemala, I had, I did a session with a shaman or shaman. And one of the things that uh, the shaman told me was that I, in the Mayan, I don't know what, because I'm not that connected with these situations. I was um, destined to open doors. Wow. Huh? That's uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think that really is true. I like to open doors. I like to open doors. And I think I, your, your work definitely demonstrates that. The fact that uh, people are eager to eat up the information that you give them, uh, the experience that you had and that you're bringing to others uh, to share this knowledge with them, to be able to help them, and then ultimately empowering them uh, with their own skill sets. I mean, I think that that's huge. It's huge. But you mentioned fear, so I want to address that um, that aspect. I think everybody has fear. It's a human feeling. And um, yes, I did have, not sure if it was fear per se, apprehension of, you know, what if somebody is more knowledgeable than I am or uh, I don't have the what they need or when I, I was teaching. But then I, I realized, and after reading a lot of self-help books, don't think, you know, Oprah and Chopra were right there with <laughs> me in my night table. And I, um, I realized that fear just stops you in your tracks. And if your intent is true, you're going to do it. And of course, you have to be prepared. You have to get educated. You have to have experience. You can't just you know, will it, but I had all those skills and I worked on them forever. I, I'm still working on them, English and Spanish all the time. So I said, you know, I, I figured out that fear is just a terrible stifling feeling that you have to rise above. And if your intention is true, that you really want to help, you're going to be successful. Step, step away from fear. That's amazing because yeah. I think that um, fear, just like you said, does stifle a lot, a lot of us. And, um, you know, just taking that first step and holding on to what you just said, the fact that your intention is to help, 
uh, helps you break through. So um, it definitely does. And if you have a student that, you know, sometimes you run across that is uh, negative or challenging, I just actually, I'm very honest and I'll say things like, you know what? I, I really don't know, but let's find out, you know, just honest. I, I don't pretend that I know. And, uh, so far I haven't had that many of them or, um, I've been able to address their concern. So that's why I keep studying and I still, you know, keep reading Chopra and Oprah. <laughs> Lifetime mentors, right? Yes. You, you talked about going out into uh, these districts uh, all over the state, it sounds like, right? State of California. You've been outside of state as well. I you? have. I have. How do you begin that conversation? Oh, my goodness, Mireya. Our favorite subject, subject, right? Uh, You know what? I have to be completely honest with you. I haven't been too successful with my own districts, with the districts that I have worked with. I think I have paved the path to awareness, but I haven't achieved it. And so um, you and I have been working together for a while at a district. And I helped pave the way, and then you kind of sealed the deal and made um, that district aware of the need for competent interpreters providing language access to our uh, LEP parents. But it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And I think the key is to have an administrator that actually realizes the fact that Communication with uh, limited English proficient parents is key, is key to equity, equality, good communication with the uh, school and parents for the success of the child. I mean, there's studies and there's millions of studies that show that. So I don't want to be negative, but at all, because I think I have paved the way in the districts that I've worked with. The districts that I work with as a consultant have actually got that message and they seek me out or they've gotten sued for lack of competent and appropriate interpretation and translation. So I would say that would be maybe a fourth of my clientele, my uh, district clientele, is that they got sued. And so now, oh my gosh, we need to comply with, you know, Department of Justice and Department of Education guidelines. I mean, this is not coming from me or you, you know, it's not that Leslie said, this is the freaking Department of Justice and the (laughs) Department of Education. And so, so I think that districts that get sued and realize that they're not in compliance then they, they call me up and they, they hire me to train their staff. Help. Yeah. But you know what? I don't want to put out fires. I, I want to avoid fires. Right. So some districts, like I said, up north in Northern California, for some reason, they, they got it. They got that message and they're, they're training their staff. Um, kudos to you, whoever yes. out there, you know, yes. like reforming and trying to create this uh, awareness because it's definitely a challenge. And you said one key thing earlier, uh, mentioning 
having an administrator that believes in the message is very important. And one thing I do share with people that are interested in creating uh, systems in their school districts is the relationship building. It's crucial. You know, you need buy-in and you need people on your side that are going to say the same thing you're saying. It can't just be a one-man show, right? It can't just be just the one person because there is a lot of pushback, uh, unfortunately, in our school districts. And so yeah. being able to to establish that, just that credibility first with even your own administrator is very important. Still very difficult to go beyond that, but it's definitely a key step. This shouldn't be something that we should be trying to convince administration to do. Right. Um, you know, this, like I said, again, it's, it's federal, it's federal law. It's, you know, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. What I think, I think the solution would be is to get you and me to be administrators. <laughs> okay. Because for language access, for language access, for language and access equity. and equity, <laughs> we can't talk about equity and and equality without language access it's ridiculous it's ridiculous (laughs) so why am are we here as you know district translators that have absolutely no power per se in in administration trying to convince somebody to actually comply with federal law federal law you Mm -hmm. know what i mean it's just i don't understand it So, yes, I agree with you. Yes, a relationship with your administrator is definitely something that you need to have. A rapport with your coworkers is necessary. But if you have an administrator that doesn't value language access or has so many fish, other fish to fry, Mm, then, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, you know, another thing that I've heard before is, oh, baby steps, baby steps. Oh my gosh. I've been in this business for years. I haven't stopped taking baby steps. That's one of the reasons I started Ola Language Services, because I know that value of providing that language access to parents and nobody's stopping me because I'm my own boss. Right. Yeah. I love it. I love the yeah. the, the whole concept behind uh, Ola Language because I, I've seen you at work. I've been present in your workshops. When I first met Leslie, I was a sub-district interpreter. And I remember her reaching out and I was just ecstatic about the fact that here I had a district interpreter level person reaching out to me uh, it, just in the hopes you needed someone to cover a board meeting. And then I had the opportunity to sit in one of your workshops and I, I was so giddy. I remember sitting That's in there just thinking, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm getting this for free. And all I have to do is flip the page and click the next, the next slide. You yeah. know, I was, I, I was just sitting there as your clicker, but I had the opportunity to listen to the information and I believed 100% in the message that you were sharing to the bilingual staff. Just ever since then, it's oh, just thank been you. like... thank you. That's so cool. Ola Language Services, is, <laughs> that's, that's really the type of messaging that I want to get out there because like you, like me, there's so many of us out there trying to find a way to, to get the ball rolling. And I and completely get the agree with you. Yeah, get the message across. And I completely agree. It shouldn't be the district interpreter, the district translator, convincing. Yet that's the work we seem to be doing with our school districts. Exactly. And you know what? This isn't 
Do you believe in UFOs or not? <laughs> this is the law. This is federal law. Right. We shouldn't be saying, please believe in my message. So that's why people like you and I are doing things outside the district that we could be doing for our district. You know what? I had an enlightening moment when I was teaching a communicating through an interpreting workshop for um, special ed staff and administrators, okay? I started the workshop out by saying, okay, what's interpreting to you? I had like three or four people raise their hand and they all said the same thing. They said interpreting was like interpreting the Bible or interpreting the law. I said, okay, well, interpreting is not subjective. It's not summarizing. It's not putting your two cents in. It's direct. You are the voice. You hear, you say. You, you don't say, oh, well, I don't believe in that. I'm not going to say it. It was an enlightening moment for me. There is such a lack of comprehension of what interpreters and translators do. Mm. It is, that's our job. That's why I'm so thrilled that you're doing this, Minea. And I hope not only translators hear this, that's why we're doing it mostly in English, I imagine. Yes, that's correct. Right? Um, because there is a whole misconception of what we do. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's great. I think all this information is absolutely just 100% on point. And that I hope that a lot of you all out there that are listening, that are in the education field, continue the fight because it, this really is what it feels like is right now at the moment. I know that there's a lot of buzz actually right now with a movement yes. that's beginning it's to exciting. happen. It, it is exciting, you know, and it will probably take a while for us to be able to see. Baby steps. Yeah. Oh my God. I was going to say baby steps. No, please <laughs> don't. I've been taking baby steps for 20 years. But the conversation nonetheless yeah. has begun nationwide. Yes. You know, there is a whole list serves together right now. And the conversation is, defi is definitely rocking and rolling. And so there's a lot of people whose responses are just absolutely, yes, sign me up. So hopefully we begin to see the uh, effects of some of these conversations take place in, in some of our school districts. Maybe si no me muero primero. <laughs> no, absolutely If not. I don't die first. <laughs> that probably will happen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Leslie, what advice would you give to an up-and-coming interpreter or translator looking to get into the field and, you know, using their bilingual ninja skills. Okay. What advice would you have for them? I definitely would give them the advice of specialize, specialize and specialize. You know, you find your niche. And I don't know if you've heard of this video called um, Que Difícil es Hablar el Español. No, how difficult it is to speak uh, in Spanish or to learn Spanish. But it's the same thing with interpreters. If you learn Spanish in one country, that's what the video says, you know, stay in that country because, oh my gosh, you go outside of that country and there's, you know, one word that you thought was this, like fresa for strawberry, can mean a hundred different things in another country. And the same thing with interpreters. You have to specialize. Um, I really think that at this point in my life, I am an expert in educational vocabulary. And I can interpret pretty much anything that is K-12 related. But the minute that I go into a different scenario, for example, medical, 
And I, I have a lot of medical stuff because of IEPs, special ed, but it's a whole different ballgame. So training, 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 language-specific training, because if you, of course, you need the, the training of standards of professional conduct for interpreters and things like that. That's awesome. But you, when you're sitting at, at a meeting and you have to open your mouth and start interpreting, you better have the skills in your target language. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And you know what? You have to love it. I actually, you know what, I don't know, my husband was telling me the other day, he goes, I have an appreciation of words now when we're watching a movie because of you. I wouldn't have noticed before because I'll pause a movie and say, did you just hear that? <laughs> when I'm reading, I'll go, oh my gosh, this is so beautifully written. Mm. And I don't have that skill. I, 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 I don't write. I can translate. It's different, way different, right? So you have to love it. You got to love it and train. That's my advice. What is the last book you read? Okay, so I read, I usually have two books that I'm always, you know, reading at the same time because you kind of get bored. Mm. So the last one I read is called Los Caídos. And it's by Carlos Alvarez. Mm. And he is an award-winning Latin American author from Cuba that's less than 30 years old. Wow. So he's in a, a list of um, of Latin American authors that are under 30 years old, award-winning. And oh my gosh, he the way he writes, it's not a fun, you know, feel-good book, but every sentence is like, oh my gosh, I I I I don't know how he writes this. Wow. And it gives you that whole Cuban feeling and uh, the el pesar, that weight that they have. And they're so creative, but they they have that weight on their shoulder. So that's the last one I, uh, I finished right now. That sounds great. Definitely. Well, Leslie, um, tell us now, what is in store for Ola Language Services? What do you, what's the current project you're currently working on? Well, my current project is getting actually transitioning from Ola Language Services to HLS Professional Learning. So I still have Ola Language Services in there because of HLS, uh, and it's going to be an online platform. So it's um, it's a process. And one of the things that I do not want to get rid of is my face-to-face -face workshops. I still believe that, especially for interpreting, um, a face-to-face -face workshop is, is essential because the participants contribute so much that it's a much richer experience, mm -hmm. right, um, that I can't get with online. But there are workshops I can do online, especially to train administrators that are using uh, interpreters. That's going to be one of my first projects. Oh, that's amazing. Like, we'll all sign up for that one. Yeah, because, you know, I've been training interpreters for so many years that I finally realized that this is a team effort. If you don't have the uh, people that are using you to interpret on board then you are not going to be able to accomplish a good interpretation. 
Well, that sounds exciting. The transition from online language services to HLS professional learning came from, and it's HLS professional learning, an online platform. You just wanted to transition into online services. I'm trying to be modern, Nadea. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying. No, I actually, I had, um, I, I was recently in Monterey County Office of Ed doing a IEP meeting training. And there was a couple of admins that were there from other districts that I had never heard of. And it was enlightening because one of the administrators came up. She actually sat through the training and she was bilingual. And she said, Leslie, I, you know, my district is so rural and, and, and I don't know if you could you could come. So why don't you do something online to reach those populations? Even though I actually prefer the face-to-face, -face, at least you get something. So, Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, she, she inspired me to do this. Oh, that's great. It's mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. Well, I think this conversation has been so great. I am so glad that we were able to get together and uh, to have this talk. And I'm hoping that, you know, once we launch February 20th, you know, you are going to be the number one uh, or episode <laughs> number one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. And I hope that I can work with you and uh, kind of do a, a combination of because this podcast thing is amazing. And you're the you. perfect person to do this. Thank you. You have the right amount of, um, you know, animation, but you let people shine. Thank you, Leslie. I appreciate yeah. that. From the right. bottom of my heart. Un beso. Wow. Leslie Padilla-Williams, like so many of us, is passionate about her work as a language professional. To find out more about her, you may visit her website at www.olalang.com. That's www.holalang.com or find her on LinkedIn as Leslie Padilla-Williams. Thank you so much for tuning in, you guys. Don't forget to subscribe to hear future episodes. And also, I'd love to hear your comments about the episodes on social media. Find me on Instagram at brand underscore the underscore interpreter, or on LinkedIn as Mireya Perez. This concludes today's podcast session, guys. But before I go, I'd like to leave you with a quote from Scott Bedbury former advertising director of Nike and former chief marketing officer of Starbucks. He says, a great brand taps into emotions. Emotions drive most, if not all of our decisions. A brand reaches out with a powerful connecting experience. It's an emotional connecting point that transcends the product. A great brand is a story that's never completely told. A brand is a metaphorical story that's evolving all the time. Stories create the emotional context people need to locate themselves in a larger experience. You are the brand. Tell your story. Brand the interpreter. Thank you so much again, you guys. See you soon. <laughs>